Hello, creative strategists. You are listening to episode five. Thank you so much for being here again with me today. This is Star Jerry's with you for another episode of The Creative Strategist. And today I am talking to one of my oldest and closest friends, Adrian Rice. Not only is Adrian just plain brilliant, but she's had an amazing career thus far as a digital advertiser. Today, she's going to walk us through the ins and outs of digital advertising. For those of you who are new to this concept, this is going to be a great episode for you to get your bearings on an incredibly important part of the modern marketing mix. And for those of you who are familiar with digital or work in the industry, stay tuned because Adrian is a wealth of knowledge and you are going to get something out of this too. Adrian started her career in advertising in San Francisco, California working as an assistant media planner at a full-service agency. From there, she worked her way up to senior media planner, specializing in digital, working with nonprofits such as Doctors Without Borders and World Wildlife Fund. After a few years in San Francisco, Adrian decided to mix it up and move halfway around the world to Sydney, Australia, where she continued to work in digital advertising while traveling throughout the Pacific. Her clients included Disney Channel, Network 10, University of Sydney, and Golden Crumpets. Most recently, Adrian has moved back to Southern California to be closer to family and live that hashtag glam LA lifestyle. Let's join up with Adrian. But before we do, I want to take this moment just to ask you all to please leave a review wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're tuning in. I would love to hear from you. Your positive reviews keep me going, guys. They give me so much energy to keep doing what I'm doing, and they also help me get great guests like Adrian on the show. With that being said, let's dive on in. The Creative Strategist. I'm your host, marketing and sales expert, Star Jerry's, and I'm here to help you use storytelling, design, and entrepreneurial thinking to develop your brand's voice, boost sales, and stay relevant in an ever-changing marketplace. Join in on my conversations with seasoned professionals and take away best practices to help you forge ahead in your career. Again, I'm Star Jerry's, The Creative Strategist. Let's get started. Hi, Adrian. I am so excited to have you on the show. I think you have so much insight to offer the folks tuning in. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here and talking about digital and media and marketing. I know that you're going to just offer so much insight. I hope everyone can keep up. Uh, It's really my pleasure to have you. I know we did a little photo shoot the other day at Thousand Step Speech. It's It's on the blog. It was really cool in Laguna, and we talked on the ride there and back about this podcast and what we wanted to discuss today, and you were just throwing out things like crazy, how to find your audience, KPIs, negotiating with publishers, buying the ad space, A-B testing, and that's just to name a few of the things that you and I discussed, and I thought all of it was just gold, and I didn't want to leave anything out, so I'm going to jam-pack this interview with as much as I can. Is that cool? Yep, sounds good. Okay. Okay, great. Well, good. So uh, here we go. We'll be talking about fundamental digital capabilities, processes, testing, so on and so forth, and really getting your expert opinions about these things and your expert knowledge about them. 
some of the things I'm so, so novice at, even though I've dabbled in, in that arena. So what our listeners are going to catch on to quickly here is that there are a large amount of acronyms you're going to be using throughout the episode. Adrian and I will be sure to say the full term and then use the acronym so that you all know what the heck we're talking about. But I want you all to get used to using that jargon because you'll be using it when you're sitting in those meetings, when you're discussing with your digital agencies or the people who are trying to sell you advertising or when you're trying to sell advertising. Before we get too deep into the weeds, I want to start with you, Adrian, and give everyone a bit more information about you. I kind of gave you a bio, but can you tell us a little bit more about Adrian and where your passion for digital marketing began? Sure. Um, so I went to an art school with you, OSHA, um, and I was in visual arts conservatory. So even from a young age, I had this really big interest in kind of drawing and painting and photography and all of that creative stuff. So when I kind of grew up and went to college and started thinking about a career, I really wanted to find something that combined that creativity and business. And with media, it definitely does have that. You're thinking about different people, their psychology, how can you solve problems? Um, how, like, what new things can you try? Um, and with digital media, you know, it's in the tech space, which is very exciting because it's always changing, always developing. There's always kind of some something new on the horizon. So yeah, that's really where uh, my interest started. I love that. Yes, you're a true creative strategist. <laughs> I feel the same way. It's really cool to be in advertising. It's really cool to be in sales. And I love that part of my job. But having the creative freedom that it sounds like you have, that's the that's the thing that makes it stick, right? That's the thing that makes it so exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely a numbers-based business as well. You do have to have kind of um, be comfortable with math and data anal analytics, but there is that creative aspect to it too, which is what I really like. Yeah. And I know firsthand that you are crazy good at math. <laughs> So even though you're very artistic, you're probably one of the most balanced in terms of left and right brain I've ever met. Like the things you would do in math class. It was I'm like, why do I not get it? I need to hang out with Adrian more. <laughs> well, thank well, thanks for that. What were you going to say? Just that that's very nice of you. Oh, you're welcome. I remember you, I'm sidetracking, but I remember you figured out this um, this thing in stats class that like, I think Mr. Newton put it on the board and it was this pyramid of of numbers and it had some sort of pattern to it and you figured it out in two minutes and he was so <laughs> upset. <laughs> well, I also love riddles, so that was like right up my alley. I love that. <laughs> he was like, you must have seen this before. And you were like, no, I've never seen it. I just, I looked at it and I figured it out. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I never oh, took God. another math class after that. I never had to take any math in college. Oh, because you did the AP test? Yeah. I tested out of it. Oh, that's funny. I skipped that one thinking I wouldn't need it or I just thought I would fail it. I don't know why. But taking that class in college and being pretty good at it after that one class, that made me love stats. And then that's why I started tutoring it. That's great. <laughs> but it's funny how that stuff works mm -hmm. out. Good for you. Never <laughs> another math class. I well, now I'm now I'm out of school, so I guess I get to say mm -hmm. the same. 
Well, I'm glad that you went into your bio and talked about high school. I feel like it was yesterday that I was in high school with you, but I know we've been out almost 10 years. Long ago. And I know it's so weird. But even just being that far out from college, really not that far out from from college or high school or school. I feel like a lot of people look at people like you and I as very young and very green in the industry, even though if you have a pretty straight trajectory or you do things within the field, I think a few years in this industry really teaches us a lot. And I think just talking to you and touching base with you over the years about what you're doing in your field. I really think you're an expert in what you do. And I'm excited to talk to you because you're the one who's actually making the digital successes happen instead of just saying, hey, I really want to increase numbers by 10%. Army of digital specialists, please help me do that. You you are the digital specialist or the digital manager or the one really making those changes and helping the business go from A to Z. So I'm so happy to have people like you on the show because I think it's important to hear your perspective so that marketing managers or our listeners who are business owners or self-starters or whatever they may be, they can hear how you talk and how you think and what your processes are like so that they can have an intelligent conversation at the table with someone who's doing what you're doing or they can aspire to be as seasoned and eloquent as you are about about your profession. So with that being said, we'll dive right into the first acronym, key performance indicators or KPIs. Can you explain what KPIs or key performance indicators are and how certain ones are used for various campaigns or types of businesses? Yeah, so KPIs are really how you measure success. If you're working with an ad agency or you're working for an agency, um, it's really important to set the KPIs at the beginning. So you want to think about what the campaign is meant to achieve and how do you measure that. So if you're an e-commerce company like Amazon, then your KPI is likely going to be sales. So getting someone to the website and actually making a purchase. Um, when I worked for nonprofits at an agency, the KPI was donations. And then to go a little bit deeper into that, it was um, return on investment or ROI. So that's another common acronym. Um, so that's really measuring how much money are people donating over how much money do we spend on the media to get that donation. If you're working on more of a branding client, it could be reach. Um, which is just getting as many eyeballs on your ad as possible. Or if you're running a social media campaign, it could be something like engagement rate. So looking at the likes, comments, or clicks on a social media ad divided by the number of impressions or how many people saw it. That's great. I like that you basically said start with why. I think a lot of people want their message out there. And they know that they want to either sell something or showcase something or have some sort of an impact. But when we're buying in a digital space, we always have to think, what am I getting in return? Is Does this make sense? And that's the coolest part about digital. Like you said, with those KPIs, you can actually see it. You can actually understand how your money is moving your needle instead of in a more traditional marketplace where you're just kind of hoping and praying and you don't really know 
what's happening mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think if you set your KPIs in the beginning and really know what is a successful outcome for you, then you're going to be so much more successful in the campaign because you can use that to guide every decision that you're making along the way. Yeah, that's great. Can you give us an example of how you built campaigns around the client's objectives once you had those KPIs set? I know you mentioned when you work in nonprofits, you worked with Doctors Without Borders and then on the far other side of the spectrum, you also worked with Disney, who has a nonprofit arm, but they're very much selling a specific product. So what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so for Disney, for example, we were working with Disney Channel. So it was all about driving that tune in to their weekly shows. So we would run across YouTube and also a lot of Facebook and Instagram. And basically, our KPI was that tune in with their key demo. It was girls 13 to 15. So we would get the numbers back from a show on the weekend. And if, you know, a certain age groups like girls 13 was down, then we would know to adjust our advertising spend and really go after that target for the next week so that we can bring that tune in back up. That's so awesome. (laughs) It's just amazing to me that you can do that. And it, I think people think, oh my gosh, Big Brother, this is so scary, but not really. Like, I don't want to be sold camping equipment. I'm not going to use that. That's just not me. Yeah. I, I think if you understand how it works, it's really for everyone's benefit to get more relevant content to you. Right. It's not like you weren't getting commercials before. Just now they know that I really like Hallmark Channel and I have three rescue kitties and they're just feeding me appropriate information which is great. Sometimes I just talk mm-hmm. into my cell phone and see if it'll feed me the right ad. <laughs> <laughs> I really want some boots. Level, but maybe if you search for something on Google, then you would get an ad for it. But I don't think they're listening to our conversations yet. I don't know. <laughs> but um, no, that's really cool that you can get so specific with it and that you can make sure that your not just targeting some of the target market, but that you're really hitting all the age range that they've asked you to hit. So that's really exciting. But building a campaign around someone more like a nonprofit, was that was that different? Was that more cyclical? Or was that based on behavior? Um, so that was definitely kind of an ongoing campaign for them. So because they were always needing donations. It's not something that um, really is something you'll need only at part of the year, although it did really spike at the end of the year because of the tax write-offs. Um, but with that, with those clients, we kind of planned quarterly and we did a bunch of tests within each quarter and reviewing the results each week, we could see if certain publishers or partners if they're not driving those donations, then we can quickly cut them and move the money to somewhere else. So it's kind of an ongoing process of optimizations and moving money around. That's good, though. That's good that you speak to the calendar year as well. I think most companies, once you get through that first cycle of the year, you can really see where your hotspots are and where you can start making really strategic yearly programs so that people start to get used to what you have going on and it also helps your your agency really have like a pulse on what 
works best for you and and what your client is used to mm-hmm. and knows from you so that they can tune in at the right time. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of nice. Um, well, okay. So now that you've built the campaign and the op- objectives are set, the KPIs are set, how do you start putting feelers out to buy? Do you, did you as the digital advertiser, of course you were doing that for your clients, I assume, right? And how do you negotiate with the people that are going to um, be selling you? Um, yeah. So I'd say the first step is to really look at the audience and who you want to reach. Um, sometimes clients have a wealth of knowledge about their audience and they're really specific and they can give you insights. And other times it's really broad. Like when I was working with a packaged bread company, their audience was moms. So it's basically like almost half of the population is moms. Um, but once you know that you want to do as much research on them as you can get some insights, you can um, find online research, look at the website, the sites, Google Analytics, that can be really helpful. And just try to get a good understanding of who you're trying to reach, what their habits are online, where can you reach them? Um, and if they need to be in a certain state of mind to be receptive to the content that you're trying to give them. Um, if you want them to shop for shoes online, maybe you want to reach them when they're kind of bored at work and want maybe more open to that online shopping rather than when they first wake up in the morning and they're just checking the weather and they need to hurry, get ready for work. Ooh, that's interesting. I hope everyone really took notes on that one. (laughs) It kind of adds an extra level like layer to um, not only who are you trying to reach, but what's their mindset and what kind of moment of the day is the best to reach them. Yeah, that's so true. I think people, like let's say digital in a streaming space for TV or when people are, yeah, when people are streaming, um, it depends on your target market, of course. But I think that's a great example because I think most people say, oh, I don't want to be super late at night or I don't want to be super early in the morning. But if you are going for, I don't know, single parents who are kind of doing all the things then chances are they're probably awake and watching something before they head out the door yeah. and that could be their only kind of time to themselves when they might be able to go online and shop or do whatever it is you want them to do yeah either before or after their kids are asleep mm-hmm. no that's such a good point and that that trickles down into social media too even though that's separate kind of from what we're talking about today in terms of buying and and planning. That's something that we all know intrinsically when we're posting, what time we're posting, things like that. So, well, that's great. And I wanted to ask you more. You mentioned testing from, I assume once you have the buy and you're starting to make the artwork that's when the testing begins, but I'm kind of new to testing. So is that when it starts or when do you all test and what are you looking for when you test and do A-B testing? And what is Mm -hmm. A-B testing? (laughs) Yeah, good question. Um, A-B testing is 
when you have two different, two or more different versions of something. So um, commonly you can A-B test different creatives. So you might have the same design of a banner ad, but the wording is different. Um, or you might have the same video, but you've changed the music. Or usually it's you just change one thing and you want to see which version is better or more effective. So from a media perspective, we would be testing throughout the campaign because you can't really do a test until the media is actually activated and running. Um, so the creative agency or the client um, would create two different versions and then we would run both versions at the same time with the same targeting in the same place. Everything else is kept equal, but the only difference is the the difference in the creative. And then we would look at the results and say, according to our KPIs, what which creative performed better, which one had more clicks or which one drove more sales. And then you would determine, okay, this version B did a lot better. So then we're only going to run with that version. And you can continually do that throughout the campaign to kind of bring up performance and always be kind of tweaking to get better and better. That's really cool. So you can do this throughout the campaign. So this goes on for months. I was going to ask you, when does the testing stop? But it sounds like it doesn't. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you could really stop it whenever you want. If you, It really depends on your um, how many creative versions you have the capacity to make as well. If you only have budget or time to make two versions, then you might run it for a couple weeks and get good results and then make a decision and run that for the rest. But ideally, you would want to keep iterating and keep improving throughout if you had unlimited resources. And then you could really just keep going and, and keep increasing that performance. Does that oftentimes drive the final campaign like a case study would be progressive and their use of flow? Like we, we love her. We all know her. I think she's become a real staple of mm -hmm. that company. So if they put out two different things where it was either her or – it was, I don't know, that box that talks, <laughs> their, their progressive box that talks. Would mm -hmm. that say one really did poorly, one really did well? Have you seen that with your specific clients where something has just really outshone the other and then they decide, okay, we really want to stick with this as like a brand piece, as, a, as an iconic brand piece that we move forward with? Yeah, I mean, I haven't experienced that myself, but I can definitely see that happening. And with digital, you can really do all these different testings at a really low budget. So Progressive might, to start, even have like five different flows that they're, they want to test on YouTube for a week. And then they see which one resonated the best, which had the best completion rate. And then they might take that actor and roll it out on broadcast TV nationally. That is so interesting. I'm taking this all in and thinking about my own my own things. Of course, where where I work, I'll say we everyone has limited funds, but when you're thinking about what you can do with a small amount of money, I will say that digital has been such a great platform to be able to move through because of how transparent it is and because of how much you can see what each and every specific thing is doing to the end result. So 
that's really good to think about that you could put several different things out there and watch watch them drive the likes or the or the business. One thing I'm always really curious about when you're talking about testing is like a more stock photo or a stock video or something that's really nice versus something that looks like it was taken on someone's cell phone or it looks Mm -hmm. like your friend just recorded it and texted it to you. Like that's a great example of something that's like so – those two things contrast, but it might be counterintuitive if the cell phone looking video is just getting a ton of click-throughs. There's just something – magical about this video and and you can see that on digital and you can continue to move forward with it yeah and that's definitely something that I think will resonate differently depending on what platform you're you're on so if you're running it on snapchat or facebook versus on tv and also what what's your demo that's watching it so I think older people are going to probably be more drawn to that professional stock video that they're used to seeing and then younger people might be more Um, drawn to that cell phone image because that's really what they're seeing every day on their social media and just in their daily lives. So again, even when you're thinking about creative and strategy and even from the start, if you have in mind who you're trying to reach and what your KPIs are and what your objective is, I think that can really help guide kind of the whole process. That's great. This is so cool. I hope, I think this is one of those episodes that people just need to take out a notebook, just start taking notes, and really, really take it all in. Adrian's just dropping bombs of knowledge. So I'm excited. Um, once your testing is done, and well, I guess it's never done, but once your testing is kind of going, or you've decided, okay, we're done with, we're closing that chapter of testing. We feel really good about what we have here. Um, we want to move. X campaign to national or we want to move it forward. What happens then? What's what do you find is a normal lifespan of a campaign? And and when does the process begin all over again? I'm sure every client's different, but it would be nice to know just kind of what you found the norm to be. Mm-hmm. And when the campaign's going, I always think of three R's. What's it what's it like for you to go through the reporting? and then recapping that, and then renewing with the client. Since I assume at an agency, there's renewals as well. How do you keep that relationship Mm -hmm. going? Yeah, so from my perspective as a media planner at an agency, um, the campaign lifespan would really kick off with a brief from the client. So that's just giving us all the information, like what budget they have, who the audience is, what subjectives. Um, And then we would take that and kind of interrogate it, ask questions, and really get a good understanding of what they're trying to achieve. And then we would think about, again, what's the audience? What do we know about them? What kind of publishers might um, be good or partners might be good to help us reach those people? And then we send out requests for proposals, which an acronym for that is RFPs. So we're basically sending out a brief to all the different publishers saying, this is the campaign we have to run. What kind of products and pricing can you offer us? And then we get all those responses back and we um, compare them all, negotiate with publishers, say, listen, we like this, but this is a bit too expensive. Or can you give us some bonus here? And then we kind of pick our favorite ones, put it all together so it's a comprehensive media plan. And then we launch the campaign 
And while the campaign is running, then we're doing weekly or monthly reporting on it, um, having those status calls or report calls with the client to kind of um, tell them how it's doing, tell them what optimizations we're making, what we recommend. Um, then the, the campaign finishes, and then we would do a big wrap-up report, really taking out all the insights that we've learned from the results of the campaign and kind of saying, for the next time, this is what we think we should do to make the results even better. That's great. And then, and then it starts all over. <laughs> yeah. Then we look at the objectives again, and we learn from what we did last time, and then we move forward. That's great. And I just want to clarify something. When you're saying publishers, that could really be anything from anyone trying to sell you any form of advertising, correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, publishers is kind of a shorthand or just a broad general term, but it could be anything from the New York Times to Snapchat to Quantcast, which is more of ad tech. So any anyone that's trying to sell you ad space, basically. That's great. Uh, thank you so much for walking us through the life of the campaign. That was that was really really informative. Good. So yeah, seriously, so good. <laughs> um, I have one more last question. So if you, I, I like to ask this one, but if you could give any young marketer or advertising hopeful one piece of advice, something that's really gotten you through your years in advertising, what would it be? Um, I would say, especially at the start of your career, you want to work work really hard and don't complain about the workload. I think at agencies especially, it can be really demanding when you first start and it's a really steep learning curve. There's so many acronyms and um, kind of things to learn, but um, what really helps is just to have a positive attitude and be a pleasure to work with because... Um, it's easy to complain in this line of business and no one wants to work with a grump. So yeah, just stay positive and work hard. And I think that will serve you well. No one wants to work with a grump. <laughs> that's it. That's, <laughs> I love that. And you are always so positive. And I think that's so true. I know that in life, it, it is so easy to just kind of whine or feel... Like you want to complain about something being a little more difficult, but don't you always, I, f I feel this way, but don't you look back on some of the hardest days at work or in your past jobs where maybe it just really felt difficult, but now you look back and you think, gosh, I was learning so much and I learned so much from that. I'm so grateful. Yeah, definitely. And you kind of are proud of yourself for getting through it too. Yeah, I agree. Of course, within reason, we're not saying like, <laughs> like throw yourselves to the wolves or anything, but, but yeah, take everything in its stride and really, really be grateful for the opportunity and the opportunity to learn and roll your sleeves up and do some hard work. That's exciting. Well, thank you so much, Adrian. I think you've provided so much amazing insight. And I know I said this is a note taking episode and I knew there was a lot to get through, but you made it seem so simple even though there's a lot to think about, you really broke it down and I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Yay. Okay, well, I'll see you at the beach. All right. <laughs> wow, that was such an amazing episode. I just love listening to Adrienne talk about what she's passionate about, what she does for work. Her digital marketing skills are just 
insane. And I feel like she always has something so insightful and so great to say. So I hope you guys were taking some notes. That was a lot of information. If you have any questions or you want to review as you go along, go to her episode on our website, starjerries.com backslash the creative strategist. You can click into her episode there and below the media player where you hit play, you'll see all the answers to all her questions. So you can really kind of dive in there and and review. If you have any questions or just comments, feel free to DM me or use that contact page on starjerrys.com. That's what that's there for. I want to start a dialogue with you. I'm here to be your coach. I'm here to help you. So definitely reach out. Thank you for listening to The Creative Strategist. Head over to starjerrys.com slash the creative strategist for notes on today's episode information about upcoming events, or to nominate a guest for the show. Don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks again for hitting play. See you next time, creative strategist.